The following audio is from Morningstar Baptist Church in Dayton, Ohio. For more information about Morningstar, visit morningstardayton.org. Hello and welcome to the Morning Star Baptist Church discussion podcast. Uh, my name is Ben Hayes. I'm the associate pastor here at Morning Star, and I'm joined by the lead pastor and our co-host, John Decker. John, how are you today? I'm good, Ben. How you doing, man? Good, good. So, John, on Sunday, you kind of talked um, about gathering. We're in our new Gather, Grow, Go series, and we, we dove into this idea of community. We even posted on Facebook about community. It's getting a lot of... of of shares, and I just wondered, you, you talked about that Greek word and fellowship. Could you just give us kind of a recap on that as we dive into our conversation today um, about community and how that, that real life-on-life relationship looks? Yeah, so we were in Acts chapter 2, and we were trying to break down the early church and what really, man, what was it about that church that they just exploded in growth, and and how did it happen? And and kind of how that relates to our church today. And so we were in Acts chapter 2. Peter just preached at Pentecost, and one day it said that uh, 3,000 people were saved. They were added to the church in one day. And that was so the church went from like 12 core guys, the disciples, and a, a, you know, a handful up to maybe about 100 followers in one day. And then all of a sudden, next day, boom, 3,000 people are added to that church. And so it was crazy. But then that very next verse talks about how they continued steadfastly and the teaching of the apostles but then the next word they said and the fellowship and so we see two keys right there like one is teaching and and learning and soaking up god's word and the other part is fellowship which that greek word is koinonia and it it means it really honestly means an an intimate relationship and not and not what we think like intimate like in a sexual context but intimate as far as they weren't surface level they were going deep with one another in relationships. And so Sunday we talked about and kind of compared that to who we are and how shallow our relationships can be. And maybe, you know, I'm not, I'm not an expert, but maybe that's part of the problem of the churches of America today is we just don't go deep with one another. And, and uh, so that's what we kind of unpacked a little bit on Sunday about how important community is. Yeah. And, and I thought one of the things that you mentioned um, in your message on Sunday, which obviously I resonate with as well is, is, even in your own life, the struggle for community and how to um, develop that community, how to go deeper relationships is is challenging. And mm-hmm. I experienced the same thing. I think the more pastors we talk to, we're finding even amongst pastors, that's a big, we know it's necessary to have those intimate relationships, but it's really hard um, to have them. And so I thought, what if we uh, today just kind of dive in and figure out what are some of those hurdles that we're up against um, just in any relationship, including, you know, personal relationships, and and how can we uh, begin to break those barriers down and begin to go deep with people? And so that was kind of what what I think we we could dive into today. So what are some of those hurdles maybe that you see, or what do you think makes makes it hard to have those type of relationships? Yeah. So I think there's actually two really interesting dynamics here. One, we look at it from the aspect of the pastor or the leaders of the church, and pastors traditionally tend to kind of keep everybody at arm's length anyway. Um, they're afraid to let people in because we we kind of have bought into this idea that what I what I open myself up with today, somebody's going to use against me tomorrow. And it happens. It's it's life. And, and sometimes those things happen. But I think 
to the detriment of our churches and our pastors are scared to uh, live open and have that true koinonia with the people in their church. And even with just other pastors, like we just, we're kind of closed off a lot. And, and, uh, and I think that carries through with our congregations follow that because, you know, culture set and, and words create culture and, and everything that we do. And it kind of flows from the top there. And so I think we've got, to, I think as pastors, number one, I, we've got to open ourselves up. We have to have true fellowship, not just the hangout, how you doing, some kind of surface level conversations. We've got to be willing to go deep with people as well, which means honestly, sometimes it means we have to be vulnerable too. And we, we can't set ourselves up on this pedestal thing and and kind of make people think that or lead people to think that hey we got it all together because i'm gonna tell you you know i'm i don't have it all together. you know i don't think any of us do and i think that's kind of why we have and we see that right now playing out with pastors in our in our nation i mean just the suicides that are happening amongst church leaders and pastors and we have to think does isolation have something to do with that like we're struggling with that and we don't share we don't let people in yeah for sure i think you know, when, when you and I started working together, we had a, a pretty decent relationship. Um, we saw each other only a few times a mm-hmm. year, though. and But I would say, as much as we only saw each other a few times a year, we had a close relationship, especially compared to other relationships that I've had mm-hmm. with pastors. And and one of the things that we talked about and that, that um, we're really w- working towards is, is having this type of relationship, even just you and I. Mm-hmm. And uh, we... We work together a lot of times on things that don't necessarily have to be worked on together. We could probably maybe get more stuff done individually, but we would mm-hmm. only last a short time if we're, if we're living in isolation. And so I think part of what I see as a challenge in the pastoral relationship especially is we haven't seen it modeled very well. Right. And so we're mm-hmm. kind of trying our best to... To say, okay, what can this type of relationship be? I mean, mm-hmm. from the the church I grew up in um, to churches that I've been a part of to other churches I've I've watched, that hierarchy type of mentality has really created people being afraid to come to the pastor's door to have a conversation, mm-hmm. and therefore the staff being afraid to come to the the pastor's door, you know, to have a conversation. And so, I right. think that's been even a challenge for you and I. I think we're right. working through it, but it's definitely right. a challenge. And I think I think the key here is creating a, a healthy culture. And if we want a healthy culture in our church, then we have to have a healthy culture. The pastor has to live in a healthy uh, community as well as the staff. And and uh, it, and I think, if again, of our pastors, if we expect our people to go deep with koinonia, with this fellowship, and we've got to do it and it's hard and I, and I've, and I've seen that played out as well. And, uh, and, and so you and I, yeah, we were working through this. And so you and I are working to create this healthy culture uh, of community with one another and, and model that for our people and then challenge them to go deeper in their relationships as well. And let's break through that surface level. And something I kind of struggle with too. And it's something that, you know, you add that ministry aspect, but you know, for years I was in law enforcement as a police officer and, part of just who we are is we keep everybody at arm's length. We don't let anybody in. And because you're, you, you're trying to be very protectionist all the time of your physical safety, but also, you know, your family and, and all that. And so, um, for a while, and even now still, I struggle with sometimes letting people pass that arm's length. And it's sometimes it's really hard for people to break through to that. And that's something that God's working on my heart about. And that's something that, man, even on Sunday, it came through, uh, in the message that, 
that I'm on this journey with our church. And I think it's important that we share with them that, hey, it's not, we can't go overnight from being closed off and isolationist to all of a sudden being super, it's going to be a process. It's going to be a journey. And I wanted our church to know that their pastor, that I, I'm on this journey too. And God's having to soften my heart for me to allow people in because I need community as a pastor, um, as a husband, as a father, just as much as they do. And, uh, and, and so I just, going back to Acts 2, I really think, in the, the, going back to that passage, is that then the very next, like two verses later, I think it's chapter 2, verse 46, it says that every day they were in the temple together in community for like what we would call a worship type service. They were evangelizing. They were talking about with Jesus. Then it says, but then they also went to each other's houses and broke bread. So it didn't stop inside that normal context of church. Like they, they were in community even outside of those walls. And for some of our churches, and, and, and uh, I, I've been able to travel around a lot of churches around the country in, in past uh, jobs that I've been a part of, is like our church community, our church fellowship kind of stops when we reach the walls of the church, when we're leaving and we never engage outside of that. But I think one of the key things of that early church is they relied on Jesus Christ first and foremost, but they relied on each other. And so as they grew closer to Christ, they grew closer to one another and they valued that time together. Cause that part of that verse also says that they enjoyed the presence of other believers. So, um, it was this idea, God was joining them together and knitting their hearts together. And that just caused that, that excitement. Mm-hmm to carry out even more. And then what we talked about is that when the community who weren't believers saw this church having this kind of fellowship, it drew them to them because they all of a sudden rich people and poor people were hanging out at each other's houses, which never happened before. Yeah. You had bosses who were hanging out with people who worked for them. That was unheard of. Like you didn't fellowship, you didn't eat with them, you didn't hang out with them. And so what happened was this community in Jerusalem, they looked from the outside in at this church and they're like, man, what would it look like if I could have community like that? And it drew people to them. And then of course, with Jesus being the center of it all, that's, you see that church just blowing up and in a great way and people being added to like crazy. And so the key is challenging our people today that these, we have to go deeper and these relationships have to be sincere. They have to be intentional. We have to work at it, but we've got to get there. Yeah. I love in, in that verse, it says they devoted themselves. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I think when we read that verse, if we're not careful, um, it looks like that's really for them that was really easy, but mm-hmm. it was they they had to work at it too. Yeah, they were breaking down cultural barriers and maybe even some. If you really dig into the to the culture that existed, some bigger cultural barriers than maybe um, we see in mm-hmm. a lot of our churches. Right. Um, and I just think if if you look at that devoting, like, are we really devoting ourselves to that? Um, I know it's something that we talk about constantly. Um, as a staff, but um, I think it's really important for for church people to say, hey, um, I'm making this a priority. And I think the awkward thing, well, how do I go up to somebody and um, invite them to come to my house? And and I think we're, you know, kind of offering this as a free pass that you can say, hey, you know, Pastor John was talking about um, this this message on Sunday about being in community. Our family's really working on that. Um you want to come over so we can just try this thing out and, you yeah, know, and right. I think we just have to, part of the whole thing is, is letting the awkwardness 
that might be there not control mm-hmm. not doing something right because what happens is is when we want to because god we talked about something god created us to live in community we were not created to live in isolation yep. um and so we're naturally drawn to relationships and to going into building fellowship but what happens is when you start to get to know someone their messiness and their brokenness is going to rise to the top and our first reaction to that is like, man, it's kind of messy. It's really sticky. Like, and we withdraw a little bit. Or what happens is when we get to know someone and we open ourselves up, our messiness and our brokenness come to the top and we withdraw because we get embarrassed. We're like, well, what if they see who I really am? What if they reject me when they find out how broken I really am? And what what happened with this early church is instead of withdrawing and instead of backing away when the messiness rose to the top, they leaned in to one another. And the key there is that that's exactly what Jesus did for us. When he knows our messiness, like we try to put on this front for God, you know, at church, especially we put on our church face and, and, but God knows our messiness. He knows our brokenness. He knows our sin. He knows our struggle. And yet instead of withdrawing and backing away, Jesus leaned in and he leaned in all the way to the cross. And, and so then he modeled that for us. And so I think it is, it might be awkward. Like you said, like when you start that relationship and you start reaching out to other families or inviting somebody to go out to eat with you or inviting them over to your house, uh, it, it, it can be awkward at first. And, and, but you know what? The awkwardness really comes from the fact that we just don't want to open up and we got, and so the idea is, yeah, push, we got to push past that because we have more at stake here than our awkwardness. This, this community right here where we're at in Centerville, Ohio, but you know, wherever you're at right now, they need to see the church having fellowship, having that koinonia, having that that same purpose, that same drive, which is Jesus Christ and the gospel, but sharing that life together. And that really is what I believe is going to spark this next wave of, especially for our young people, millennials and, and the Gen Z crowd, they can spot fake from a mile away. They know what's not, uh, what's not legitimate. They know what's not authentic. And they recoil from that. And that's part of why we have so many walking. They grow up in church, but when they graduate, they move on. They walk away from that faith because they, all they've seen their whole life in church is suffer, surface level, um, like just this facade of relationship. And what they're desiring is deep, meaningful relationship, and they're going to go find it somewhere. But why not? Why can't we like show them here now that the most authentic, the most real relationship you can have is one with Jesus Christ, but two with fellow believers and doing life together and doing this job that he gave us of going and reaching the whole world. Yeah, I think as you and I have both have a lot of experience dealing with students, um, especially those high school, when they get to that high school age, um, that idea of isolation is is the the crippling Hmm. um, factor for a lot of our students when it comes to church, when it comes to life in general, when it comes to how they interact at school, when it comes to why they don't share their faith. Mm -hmm. Um, All of it comes down to this idea that they might have to be isolated and and I think what it what you mentioned on Sunday was huge and I want to to just highlight again and unpack a little bit um, and and just give you a second to unpack some of it and then we can unpack it together but mm-hmm. why is this idea of fellowship so important for parents to get when it comes to uh, their relationship with other Christian parents um, to model for their student how, why why is that so important? How do we, as parents, make sure we're doing this well instead of just, you know, focusing on the sports stuff, which are 
are great, but sometimes that becomes the focus instead of instead of relationship or, right. or whatever. So right, no, I think that's super important. In fact, I was just reading an article today, and I can't remember the exact numbers, but it was in the thousands of students in the Miami Valley area here, the Miami Valley River area here in Ohio, that tried and attempted to take their own life this past year, uh, and it was astounding when you looked at that. And and a lot of that reason, again, going back to isolation, one of Satan's biggest tools is isolation. If he can get somebody feeling like they're the only one struggling with something, they're the only one going through that, they're the only one who's having the, these kind of thoughts, they're the only one struggling with this addiction or this problem or this sin or just this brokenness, then then if he can get them isolated, then then what it just it really can impact, especially like it is right now, impacting this generation. And what that leads to when he isolates them, it leads to discouragement, which then leads to depression which ultimately leads to even more isolation and to the point where they see no other way out or they walk away from their faith if they're a believer. And so for parents, I'd say for parents in the church right now, who if, if, if you have students, teenagers, or kids in the church, one of the most powerful things that your kids can see you do is to have true fellowship, what we would call that koinonia, both inside the walls of your church and outside the walls of your church because they're looking for real relationship and they're going to model relationship after what they see you model. And so what we've done is we've raised generations, not just this generation, but even generations before this, of people who only know how to have shallow relationships. Um, hey, how you doing? How's your mom? How's your dad? Okay, thanks. We'll see you later. Um, and then now add in the technology today with these with cell phones and with uh, internet which are great technology pieces and great tools but what it does is it leads to even more isolation and even shallower uh, relationships and so parents we we've got to model this true intimate purposeful relationships with other believers for our kids both inside and outside and I think it's more important than their sports teams it's more important than their activities it's because we're going to be training them how to live out Christ in their lives um, and we can either do it in an authentic way where they see it and they, they buy in because it's real, or we can just keep doing the same thing we're doing now and watching 50, 60, 70, 80% of our students walking away from their faith uh, when they graduate and go to college. And, and for me, and, and I know for you too, being having the hearts of youth pastors, we're not okay with that. Yeah. Uh, because, but here's the, it's not only just affecting our teenagers, it's affecting us. Yeah. Like it, Satan's isolating um, those of us that are older as well, and we're like, I'm the only one who has this problem. I'm the only one who has money problem. I'm the only one who has job problem. And I'll be so embarrassed if somebody finds out and he isolates us. We get discouraged. We get depressed. We get more isolated. And then we just, we're just sitting if we're even involved at all. And so um, it's huge. But the best thing we can do is model this for our students and start living it out. Yeah, so I think modeling community is a huge thing when it comes to um, raising our kids. And, and that even comes to... Um, in those relationships, one of the things that's really hard sometimes for some folks is to give access um, even to your kids. You know, um, in our relationship, we try really hard um, to allow Penelope and and Harrison, um, my two kids, to be in your world and, and go talk to you and mm -hmm. hug you and high-five you anytime they see you because we have community together, and I want them maybe it comes a time where they're afraid to talk to me about something but I've fostered a good relationship with another adult in their life that they they feel comfortable with so I think that on that level not just modeling community but learning how to encourage community in our students in good places because we encourage community in our students somewhere 
Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's the sports team. That's where we in, we put so much emphasis on that. That's where we encourage community. And that is a community. Mm-hmm. But if it's the only community that we're encouraging with our kids, what are we, um, who are we putting them around? Who are we putting as the people that they need to hang out with? And those, those relationships need to be important. And mm-hmm. I think, again, we're not anti-sports team, either one of right, us. Right. And, but I think if we we need to encourage community, but encourage community in the right context, and and so things like our student ministry um, or a student, you know, any student ministry where where students are getting together um, that are of, of like faith, I think those moments are huge. Right. Um, but also intergenerational um, relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, getting them plugged in with uh, everybody in the church, and because you know, you know, we go back to and again, not that we're trashing any other kind of community, but like when they're in high school or they're in the middle school or they're uh, in elementary school, or those are communities. But honestly, those communities are temporary. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not always going to be in ninth grade, right? They're not always going to be a sophomore. They're not always going to be in high school. They're not always going to be on a sports team. So when we make those communities a top priority for our kids, then what do they do when those communities are no longer there? But that's the beautiful thing about the church, and we go back to Acts too. Is that the church is is meant to be this this constant, ongoing? What they said devoted themselves, this consistent, without fail community in their life, and we've got to make that their anchor. And then these other things, they're fine. But again, they're going to fade away. They're going to pass away. They're not always going to be in that station of life. And so uh, we just have to make sure that they understand that we're having authentic, real community here, that we start having authentic, real community here and going deeper than surface level in everything that we do so that that's always going to be there. And they know that that's the number one thing uh, for the, as far as the community goes um, with their, in their life. Yeah. I think one of the other things that you mentioned um, this weekend that I thought was really um, provoking to me and wanted to, to kind of ask you to to help us know what it looks like when this is done well, because we've all seen this done uh, poorly, but you talked about, you know, God has brought people in your life that have kind of pushed in that maybe you didn't want to let in past those barriers, but they've kind of pushed in. And, and what exactly, you know, how do you, when you're trying to build community, it's going to be, an uphill battle because we all are so isolated that we like our isolation at mm-hmm. this point. Yeah. And so if, if I'm going to be like, Hey, I'm going to be a, a change agent for community, it's going to be uphill and you're going to have to press in on some walls. But when have you, when have you seen that done really well in your life to where it's not like somebody's, you know, just driving you nuts for the sake of driving <laughs> you nuts, but they're really being helpful in that, they're pursuing real community, not just, you know, preaching at you because that can that can happen too. Right. I think what it really boils down to is this: somebody who honestly will accept you for who you are, knowing that um, that you do have faults. And I think those are the people that kind of rise to the top that have pushed into my life when maybe I wasn't, and not that I was ever rude, but they just they understood that that they were seeking relationship and. And they, and so when I wasn't necessarily very quick to allow them in or it kind of gave them the short answers or, um, maybe not text them back or call them back, that kind of thing that they don't get offended by that. And they understand that, Hey, 
this this is a process and making relationship is a process and it has to be intentional and and they just keep doing that and like you said not that they're banging on your door and not being obnoxious about it but they just don't give up on me and and because you know we all show our 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 brokenness with how we relate to one another all the time and so for somebody to come and try to reach out and and maybe I don't reach out right, back right away or maybe um, I, I'm not as open or, or as vulnerable as as then they can sense that then they don't they don't walk away and just like, OK, well, he doesn't want anything to do with me. I'm never going to talk to that guy again. They just kind of keep pushing in uh, because they're seeking relationship. And for whatever reason, you know, God's prompting them or it to, to keep seeking that relationship. And so for me, the biggest thing is they they don't they don't get offended by my brokenness and i think that's really what it comes down to is that um again that messiness is going to rise to the top and if i try to push into someone's life and i'm trying to you know to lean in and to make relationship and and it's understanding that they're just as broken as i am and not being repulsed by their brokenness but continuing to love that's how we do that and and so that's that's really the heart of the challenge is uh understanding that I'm flawed as a human being, and even though I'm I'm saved by grace and I'm redeemed, and and I and I have a relationship with Christ, I'm still flawed. And when somebody sees my flaws, but they're not repulsed by it, and they still lean in, that's the big difference right there. And I and I think, for, so for me, it, same thing. If I'm making a relationship, trying to have community with someone, and and their flaws rise to the top, I think the best thing I can do for them, especially as a brother or sister in Christ, is to lean in to that and and not back away or recoil from that which is what we've done for decades here in our in our churches especially in, in this culture and uh because we don't like messiness <laughs> to be honest with you we don't like our own messiness we don't like anybody else's messiness but just just being able to lean in knowing that they're broken i'm broken but man this is my brother this is my sister in christ and i want to grow closer to god as we grow closer to one another because there's a bigger thing at stake and the biggest thing that's at stake is those who don't know him yet and Jesus even said, he said, they'll know you might, by, you're my disciples by the love you have for one another, that agape love that we're going to lean in, we're going to do life together, we're going to share community with one another, because we have the greatest thing unifying of us, unifying us of, of all time, which is that we are, we are new creatures, we have new life in Jesus Christ, and we're doing that life together. And it's going to draw people to that. And so um, there's, a, there's too much at stake for us from this point forward to be okay with being shallow. And I think that it's time that our communities outside the walls of the church see what real fellowship looks like so that they can be introduced to the, the, the Christ who really has the answer for them and a new life for them as well. Yeah. And I know, um, heading here into the, to the near future, we're going to be, um, heading into our community and inviting our community to, um, some pretty exciting things. We've got our Easter egg hunt. It's probably going to be the first, um, big thing we're going to invite our community to. We're really hoping to have a lot there. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the difference of, of, of the success of that event is, are we able to model real community for our community? And are we really able to love one another and love our, on our community well mm-hmm. and um, and lead into a, a huge Easter season that, that we are are praying about. And so I think our discussion on community today um, has been awesome. And uh, one thing that that um, kind of gave you the heads up on, um, just want to offer some resources to people or, or things that have been really, really helpful to us. And so 
Um, we're going to attempt to over the next few weeks. Just It might be a song. Um, it might be a book. It might be a podcast of, of a different kind, but just something that we found helpful in this season um, of, of life. So I'll let you go first and share um, what you are the thing that's that's been helpful to you in this in this season has been yeah so i think something that's helped me i got probably two things and so one because we're talking about this community this area of community and i even mentioned it on sunday is i was able to grow up in a home that fostered this and lived it out my parents and i think you kind of had the similar story is, is we were always doing something uh, with somebody, somebody was either over our house and even it was something as simple as like a game night. They would just yep. play games. Um, and the kids would like run around and be crazy and tear stuff up, which is always fun. Uh, but just watching my parents live that out. And then on Sunday we would, we were faithful to be at church on Sunday. So we gathered together in community in church. But then after that, we weren't done yet. We either ate lunch with someone or, or if it wasn't lunch, it was dinner with, with another family or families. And my parents were very intentional, about in this area of community. And I got to see that lived out and how that worked and how that even helped my home church uh, in, in Nederland, Texas thrive uh, because everybody bought in this idea of community before, you know, it was that they wouldn't have necessarily uh, put that on paper as a, Hey, here's what's happening, but that's what was happening. And, and so the other thing that helped me is uh, obviously getting people plugged in. Uh, Nelson Searcy has a book uh, called fusion and it was, it's all about taking guests and, and, turn them into fully engaged members of, of, of your church. And one of the things it is, is the quicker you can get them plugged into some community, whether it's a small group, whether it's serving somewhere, uh, the quicker they, it goes from them saying like the idea of, Hey, I go to that church to this is my church. Uh, and the biggest thing is getting them plugged into community. And so this week, obviously we talked about, uh, God created us to live in community. And next week, uh, the sermon is where God created us to grow. Um, in community. And so this idea, this theme's not over. It's the, the unifying theme is community. And, and so to live in community and grow in community. And uh, so those two things have been helpful for me, uh, just obviously my upbringing, my parents, and then the, uh, Nelson Searcy. And there's tons of other resources out there that say the same thing about getting people plugged in to some kind of community. Yeah, I would say, just like you said, my, my parents were amazing when it came to having folks over. We actually had a lot of missionaries stay when they were home on furlough they would stay at our home and and my parents would kick me out of my bedroom to the basement and they would move into my bedroom and give whatever the guest was their master suite with a, the master bathroom and all that and so we were always having um, folks over we were always part of community and that was that was awesome another thing that I found is a, um, po- a podcast called culture culture matters um, out of the village church and they talk about how we as Christians should um, engage in discussions about really difficult um, topics. And I think there's a lot of difficult topics facing our nation right now that if we're not really careful as Christians, we just come off, we get on Facebook and we shoot off angrily and we come off really nasty and we don't come off with the love of Christ in any way. And, and these guys do, there are some pastors that talk about culture and and how it matters, why it matters, and how we as a believer should approach the um, situation. And what I appreciate about it is they never tell you this is how you should feel about the the topic at hand. Um, but they said this is how, as a Christian, you should at least approach the conversation that that Christian worldview should be paramount. And so that's been a huge 
thing for me. Again, that's the Culture Matter podcast from the Village Church has been super helpful. But I think uh, I think that's all we have um, for today. So I am I'm grateful, um, John, for your time, and can't wait to come back next week. I think we're going to dive into um, small groups and some of our small group experience and some things that um, have gone really awesome in small groups and might even have a, a funny story or two about about small groups. I know I've got a couple that are that are pretty laughable. So until next week.